Welcome to the Muse Writer Center podcast, right where you are. My name is Anna Fitzgerald, and in this episode, we'll be hearing from poet Coral Kendall. Coral spent much of her teen years taking classes here at the Muse Writer Center. In this interview, we reflect on her time here and her growth as a poet. Please enjoy. Bum, 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 bum. Hi, Coral. Hi, how are you doing today, Anna? Doing well, doing well. <laughs> Excited to talk to you about your journey here and things that you've learned. But first, I want to ask you, who's your favorite current poet? Ooh, who is? Um, I guess at the moment it is Alex Dimitrov, who is a poet in New York, and I like his style just because he... Uh, like, he doesn't always make sense at all. And he doesn't really do any stanza breaks or anything, but everything, if you're reading it right or you're just, like, in the same kind of headspace, you know exactly what he's talking about. And I like that because he doesn't push the idea that his he has to write for his reader. Nice. Okay. Art for true art's sake, huh? Yeah. <laughs> cool. So... Tell me if you can remember, because it's been a, a couple years, I think, mm-hmm. um, the first moment you walked into the Muse. First moment I walked in was with my mom about three years ago, and I knew uh, what it looked like a bit because I had seen like some of the notebooks and something through the window, and that had already caught my attention. I walked in and... I was kind of in awe, actually. And I, it's hard remembering what that was like since I've been in here so many times. And I've seen people walk in, too, for the first time. And I don't ever think it, they're thinking what I was thinking then. So, in your mind, were you thinking anything like, I've found my place, I've found my people, this is for me... I was really hoping I did, and it turned out to be true. Uh, I hadn't run into anything like the Muse before. I mean, there's writing camps for kids when you're little, or art camps or anything, but not a place that I had seen for kids and adults to go and express themselves completely with their writing and release something. And that is definitely what I needed at the time. It really lined up. So tell me what drew you here. That was your first moment, but what was it about this place, or where did you find us? My mom had known about the Muse for a few years uh, because of its original location, and she thought it would be good for me. I didn't really know that's why at the time that she brought me, but I can see that now. So, how old were you when you first came? It was, I think, the beginning of my sophomore year in high school. So, I was about 16. Yeah. Did you take a teen class, or how did you start taking classes? I started with a teen class, and then I tried to extend myself. I remember when I first, like, um, did the classes online. 
just by myself, I tried to apply to advanced poetry classes. And Michael had called me saying that it doesn't really work that way, and I had to start with the intros. So I did. I, I started with an intro. I think I was in the middle of one intro class when my mom was reading from one of her own like flash, fl- flash fiction classes at Labella, and Michael said that he was okay if I read one of my new pieces at the end of that night. And once I did, he said that I could take the advanced classes. <laughs> Fun. So tell me about some of the teachers that have stood out for you here who've possibly changed your course in writing your path. I would definitely say one of the teachers that changed things for me was Sarah Pringle. She um she was one of my f- very first teachers in my writing camps and classes for teens and it's not just that I've changed and evolved but I've seen her change too and that's what was always big to me. We're able to talk on a different level than we can or than we could when we first met and it's made me learn a lot about how much our lives impact our writing. So do you think that the vulnerability and the willingness to be real with you as a teacher changed your perception of what a teacher could do for a student? Definitely. Um, I had never really gone the student becomes the master thing before, and I definitely wouldn't say it's gotten to that. But seeing her again after the beginning and after all these years, it's made me realize how far I've come and that a part of me needed her and what she knew for herself to get there. That made sense. (laughs) It does. Um, (laughs) I think... As a teacher myself, in different areas, in music and art and uh, personal development, I'm always learning. So it's just a gift, and it's fun for me to grow every time one of my (laughs) students does. So um, tell me if you can remember any of your favorite moments here at the Muse, whether it's a party or in a class, like an aha moment. Uh, There are definitely a few. I remember I was taking a 30 poems in 30 days class with Libby Kurz, and I got a lot out of it because that was the first time I had kind of noticed that you can write from anything. You can get inspiration from anything, and she taught me that. It wasn't necessarily that she taught me that, but the way she described how things flowed for her and the people in that class, that's what really got to me, and it was an aha moment. I had never been in a place before where I felt that my writing could be overflowing like that if it weren't for anger or sadness. So it was really refreshing to see another side of it. So that's a, that's a little bit of like a creative myth, I think, that we must be suffering to really create great art or... um, Or suffering equals intelligence. Yeah, so tell me your perspective on that. Like, 
when you used to think that, like you said, you needed to be in pain of some sort to produce versus now that you have certain skills? I definitely recognize that's what got me started on the path of writing. And it might have been what I had, what state I had to be in to show me how important writing could be in my life as a safety net. But it's not just a safety net. It's like it, it's a friend and it goes hand in hand with the rest of my life. I feel there's two different types of writers. There's or writers of poetry. There's poet writers that do it as a game and as a hobby and put codes in their words. And then there's others that need to use it as a release. And of course there's a mix. Which one are you? <laughs> Definitely the release. I don't know where I'd be right now without the muse or writing. Well, it means a lot when young people stick around and not just take one class and then leave, which is also fine. Um, but you've embedded yourself quite quite a bit here hosting the Teen Open Mic yeah. and some other events. So tell me a little bit about your hosting experience in, in those specific events. I can't even recall the first time I went to a Teen Open Mic. But uh, funny thing is, the host of it was actually a childhood friend of mine that goes to the same temple, because we're both Jewish. Well, I had already felt pretty... I was already clinging on to the muse pretty tightly, and the way she seemed to know what she was doing and her confidence about it I mean, that wasn't the only time I had seen that from someone my age or close to it, but it kind of was like the ending part for me, like all of that joined together of me seeing that and realizing that I really wanted to get to a point where I could look like that to other people. And so that's what the teen open mics were for me when I started co-hosting. That, that, that was a start, and it led me to other things. Like I co-hosted the, that teen open mic, but I also started a gay straight alliance club at my school around the same time and then eventually I I now have my own organization and thanks to the muse we were able to have our voice it's called words are actions Um, live streaming poetry events or writing events reading work that talks about different issues that we kind of start to tune out and just rebuild the empathy so talk to me about your attachment to words. So there's this idea that every word means something different to other people, and sometimes they line up and they mean the same thing. Can you tell me a little bit about your love affair with words? <laughs> Never had anyone ask me that before. I've, I've been told since mastering my voice here that... I play with words a lot, and I use them in ways people wouldn't expect, but they still understand what I'm saying. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes there's a line that only applies to something I know, and maybe the rest I can make an audience feel. But it's nice to have something there with the words that's just for me. And it's kind of this mix of privacy and having no secrets with everyone and everything that is really important, not only in my writing, but in my life. And the words I use help me get there. I, I take great pride in how I use my words. 
because it took me a really long time to figure out that I could. When my grandma first read my chapbook, back when it was a chapbook, she cried and I couldn't figure out why and my mom told me it was because I had never really talked about anything before. I didn't argue yet in our discussions or say how what she said or what someone said made me feel, but it was all there in my writing and I had no idea because I just let my subconscious control it. I just let it flow. And eventually it made me be able to speak up otherwise. So talk to me about flow. Like when you're in the flow writing, what does that feel like for you? When I'm really in it, and it's usually not always a good place still, but when I'm really in it, it's like a part of my brain is running that knows what's better for me than the conscious side does. And so it gets to a point that after I finish, I have to read and analyze my own work and then figure out what choices I have to make in my life. It, it gets intense. And <laughs> I'm a very, I use a lot of metaphors, so it can be confusing sometimes. But it makes me realize it's not that I don't always know myself, but I try to block off so much because I'm afraid of thinking or feeling it. And writing it out makes that impossible. So let's talk about younger writers since you're going to be going off to college soon. Tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> tomorrow. Um, Caught me in time. What will you be studying? I'm majoring in social work uh, because I want to become a family therapist, but I'm minoring in religious studies and poetry just to for the poetry to have a background in it that people can recognize because you know not everyone's gonna think that the work can speak for itself but I mean I know that for example taking classes at the muse and everything classes can really help and an education in it so what would you say to a younger writer say someone where you started at age 16 or 15 what advice would you give them or suggestions in their own writing, wherever they are, and then also in coming to the muse. First, nothing you think is inappropriate. Nothing you want to do or want or need in life or at that moment doesn't deserve to take up space on its own. And to try and work hard on not apologizing for it. And I think that holds a lot of truth in the writing. A lot of the writing for me comes from my life, and there's a lot of lessons I had to learn in my life to get better as a writer. But the main one is to not apologize and to be very honest. And for those thinking about coming to the muse but not quite sure, is this the place for me, what would you, what would you say to them? I had no idea when I stepped in here that it would be such a diverse community. That was a bonus. I never know who's going to walk through the door and if they're here because it's their first time or if they're here because they need a place to release something, if they need something in their life that's stable, and I found that that was true for me too with the Muse, I could come here and it'd always be here and I always have something to do or contribute. Whatever someone needs for the Muse, it will be that for you. And if it's not, 
you can play a part in making that happen. There's definitely an atmosphere here that makes that true and makes that clear that you can make something and be a part of something. All right, so I was wondering if you would read something for us. Really? Yes. Okay. (laughs) We would love that, and it would inspire poets all on the airwaves. Well, you caught me... I told you you caught me right after my last class here before I go to Radford. So I actually have my entire book here. It's called Girls' Bodies Grow the Way an Elevator Goes Up and Down. I'm just going to read something that I wrote most recently. And it's one of those moments that I was not thinking when I wrote it. And because of it, I had to come to some decisions. It's called I Want You to Come Back, But Only If You're Full. If you could hold me right now, you'd sense the volcanic aftershock of an abandoned city. That pulse beneath my hands squeeze yours like it's the only piano it's ever played properly. Meaning my pulse doesn't know what melody sounds like or how it starts. Just whatever you hold inside once it's over, but not breath. Loving conditionally is like inviting gravity to the moon, expecting a jump that asks, high enough yet, hun? Like kissing goodbye couldn't mean a tongue wrestle for the prize of finding a home to let past life kick his feet up on the desk every night with someone lying in their bed waiting and just waiting for him to turn the light out instead. To me, your absence makes for an empty room that used to be my favorite. It was plopped in the center of a house big enough to fill your lungs with and then throw a lump in it. Enough oxygen to feed the ocean when no one asked you to, ever. If someone had asked me before to fly with them instead of for them, I would have spent the rest of my life floating along streets I'd never remember the names of. Instead, I changed my name to a child's I'll never raise. Let go of the heartbeat that never asked my opinion in the first place become a traveler that could never decide between going and staying, so instead ask someone to do both while I pretend to never hear the question. Let go of all the questions. Give answers like your palm on my wrist when I am no longer distracted. Suddenly you're magma and I'm the only witness. You think to be an open, you think to be an empty house only if I am built for more than wall hangings. You ask all buts with no ifs, and I am all air and wind and breath and skin, and I'd like to be more than anything, the huff and puff end of all our sentences. But I always hand back your answers like, I love you, and that was never mine to begin with. Thank you. (laughs) Well, Coral, it's been a lot of fun. We at The Muse wish you the very best wherever you go, and we hope that you'll come back and visit us. Thank you. Do you love your cup of joe in the morning? So do we. Join us for our writer's coffee break, the first Friday of each month, 10.30 a.m. to noon at Cafe Stella, located at 1907 Colonial Avenue, Ghent, Norfolk, Virginia.